Hi, this is Jeff Gober, and we welcome you to this Disney Insights podcast. Well, the biggest complaint guests have at Disney parks is just how long the waits are. Guests are always wondering how they can enjoy the experience with, without getting worn out, waiting for one ride after another. Tools such as the Disney app shows wait times or, or tools like touring plans can direct guests as to where to go next when they are in the parks. But those tools don't always offer context as to what is happening that creates those wait times. And sometimes those tools are simply not as accurate as they could be. How do you determine that accuracy? With decades of experience being in these parks, I wanted to present a simple tool for thinking through all of this. I call it Disney CSI Plus. Disney CSI Plus stands for, no, not criminal scene investigation, but rather capacity, schedule, interest, and oh yeah, Genie Plus. We will present the issues to each of these in a simple way that you can identify for yourself what attractions will easily be walk-ons and which ones are going to involve serious consideration as to when to ride. Disney CSI Plus will give you the key concepts and principles that will help you make better in-the-moment decisions. This conversation is timely as we've worked with organizations big and small to consider how they can save their customers' time. It's one of the major processes that really trip up a customer experience. At Performance Journeys, sponsor of this podcast, we work with organizations in the public, private, and nonprofit sectors to help give their customers the gift of time. We can help your organization as well. Call us. The concepts presented in this podcast are an outline of the kind of improvements we can help you and your organization make. So call us and let's chat. By the way, remember that DisneyInsights.com will carry not only images and videos that we'll talk about here, but also an outline that supports today's podcast. All right, let's go into this thing we called CSI Plus, which again is capacity, schedule, interest, and then the Genie Plus aspect of it. Capacity is where we'll start first. It's simply how many people can ride this attraction at any given time. I think you get this. I mean, it's basically pretty obvious at times. Uh, this ride holds a lot of people or this uh, show allows a lot of people to come in and sit down in the theater. It's it's kind of intuitive in some way. And yet sometimes people really don't know, for instance, between a Rise of the Resistance or something like um, Pirates of the Caribbean, just how many people can ride this attraction at any given time. Well, there's some support. There's some important issues with capacity. Let's talk about what those are. The first of these is THRC. THRC, don't want to get you bogged down with acronyms in this podcast, but this one's an important one and one that Disney Imagineering has been using for decades. THRC stands for Theoretical Hourly Ride Capacity. If you have the attraction running at full throttle, how many can it hold? How many can go through in a given hour? What is its ideal capacity? 
A simple example of this is Dumbo. We we spoke of this in a previous podcast we just did on Disneyland Paris and how Dumbo has actually changed over the years. In fact, there's been three different versions of Dumbo in the Magic Kingdom. When you have one Dumbo spinner and you've added two spinners, as there is right now in Storybook Circus, you've, well, you've doubled the theoretical hourly ride capacity. When you double the number of rows in that spinner attraction, like Aladdin's Magic Carpet Ride, well, the THRC changes, but it doesn't change quite the same way as two spinner rides. For instance, a lot of times cast members will only board one family in each of the magic carpets. And so one row will end up sitting empty. And that could be a very different uh, end result. Your theoretical hourly ride capacity may be the same because you've got the same number of seats, but really how many people go through in an hour is actually much less in a double row attraction like Aladdin's Magic Carpet Ride than it is in a double spinner like Dumbo. So you see these this theoretical hourly ride capacity matters quite a bit. The second important issue with capacity is its upkeep. Uh, if it's breaking down all the time, then it doesn't have the capacity to run that theoretical hourly ride capacity. For instance, a ride like Spaceship Earth can run actually about 2,400 an hour. And assuming other factors aren't in play, it can handle quite a few guests. However, that is assuming that the attraction is kept in good upkeep, that you're not always having to stop, which is one of the issues we're gonna talk about in a minute. Why does that ride often stop? Another example of the upkeep would be the people mover. It handles a lot of people per hour. But if they're not upkeeping the seats or if you have a particular row of seats that is unusable and they're putting a red cone in there to block it off and not have any guests sit there, then you've brought down that capacity. And so it's really about upkeep as much as how you design the ride and attraction in the first place. This ties into a concept called Going 101 and other challenges like that. For instance, when a ride can't operate for mechanical reasons, you have what's called going one on 101. Going 102 is actually when it's back up and rising. So Rise of the Resistance had big challenges in the first couple of years with going 101. And, and understandably, there was a lot of new technology. It was a very unique, very different ride that took it to took things to a whole new level. But with that, things kept breaking down, and there were a lot of um, there were a lot of times where the get ride was stopping. And the time it takes to go from a 101 status to a 102 status can dramatically impact issues around that capacity. So if, for instance, everybody just sit in your seat and within 20, 30 seconds we'll be starting up again, that's okay. That's one capacity issue. But when all of a sudden you have to disembark and take everybody off of the ride, bring it all down and then start it up again, boy, you've got a major capacity issue. Another aspect of capacity has to do with weather. Weather in the area can impact some attractions. Going back to Dumbo, for instance, lightning strikes in the air on Dumbo. 
well, you, you're obviously not going to be operating that attraction. And it can fluctuate depending on the time of day or the kind of ride experience it is. Now, mind you, keep in mind these things as you're going through. Don't think about going on um, Dumbo or don't think about going on the Astro Orbiter uh, in the middle of as a thunderstorm comes in because probably you're not going to be able to ride that attraction and you may get in line but you may get toward the front of it and find out that yeah it's not going to happen so weather is an impact the last thing i want to talk about with issues regarding capacity are guests with special needs i guess in a wheelchair boarding a jungle cruise boat can impact dramatically the length of time waiting um, fortunately, or um, to its credit, they built a very expensive boat to allow a wheelchair guests to just go right into, um, into the boat. But it still takes time to lock that wheelchair down and get the rest of the party going, and it holds up other boats behind it. So that dramatically imp um, decreases the capacity. In another instance, we've got the boats at It's a Small World. Now, It's a Small World has an amazing theoretical hourly ride capacity, THRC, of about 3,000 people per hour. But a lot of guests with mobility challenges coming in and out of that attraction can slow that number down considerably. That's one of the reasons why so many times you're in the finale scene of It's a Small World and you just stop and you wait and you wait because five, six, seven boats ahead of you, there is a boat, which is an amazing boat because you're able to just roll that wheelchair right in and be able to accommodate that guest and that's important, but it does impact you, um, the ability of capacity. So this actually brings up an important issue around capacity and we'll tie in very nicely with what we talked about with schedule in a moment. Capacity can vary during a day. For instance, you will find that the number of guests in wheelchairs will typically be much larger in number during the hours of about 10 in the morning till about six in the evening. So um, while the theoretical hourly ride capacity is 3000 for It's a Small World, it really is um it really isn't impacted as much by guests with wheelchairs in the evening hours because there aren't as many actually looking for that now also what can happen is imagineers can design attractions where we're not having to wait um again thinking about that waiting i kind of mentioned spaceship earth there are times where the ride will stop that's usually stopping like the Haunted Mansion, it's usually stopping because of guests with special mobility needs. That's okay. It's worth it to wait for them, but it does impact the capacity. In another instance, when Toy Story Mania was created, they created a separate boarding area for guests with mobility challenges. Oh, doing that so dramatically reduces its impact on the capacity of the ride. We can then provide a separate queuing experience for guests with mobility issues and not impact the regular flow. When that, when that ride vehicle is ready to go, it can be interspersed with the other 
uh, vehicles. It's a pretty fantastic thing. The Skyliner also does the same thing, by the way, which allows the Skyliner to be pretty fluid. There are times where it's going to have to stop for a minute, but by and large, it does a great job because it accommodates special needs in that additional boarding area. At any rate, all these issues deal with capacity. How many really can we put into this attraction? Mind you, something like the carousel horses, which uh, are 72 at Disneyland and 96, I believe, at uh, Walt Disney World and the Magic Kingdom. That's a limited number compared to how many people we can board into the Carousel Progress and keep that theater moving around and around. So capacity really it does matter. And it's one of the first things you want to consider is how many people can this accommodate? And the less people accommodates, then you need to be thinking about the best ideal times to actually do that attraction. All right. So that is capacity. Now let's go into the S of CSI. That's schedule. Schedule may mean many things, but they all can make an impact on how long your wait time is. Consider these factors. First off, the time of year. You've heard about the slow um, times of the year that decreases wait times. I was in uh, Disney's Hollywood Studios the other day and the wait times were considerably down because the attendance is soft. That's not going to happen between Christmas and New Year's. It's going to be more maxed out. Or will it? Well, that depends on another issue, on two other issues. One is park schedule. How long do you have the attractions open up during the day? How long is the park open up? Because the longer it's open up, the more you can, you can spread out the number of people wanting to ride that attraction over, the day, over that day. Obviously, that's why during holiday periods like Christmas and New Year's, we have very long operating hours in uh, parks like Magic Kingdom or Disneyland. But speaking of Disneyland, a couple of years ago, I was there the week of the 4th of July. In fact, I was there on the 4th of July because they had blocked out the schedule for annual pass holders or many levels of the annual pass holders to be able to visit on that day. The park actually was very soft in terms of attendance and was probably more manageable than say a typical uh, Friday or or Saturday when annual pass holders could all have the opportunity to attend and so forth. And then it's just swamped. By the way, going back to park schedule, consider something like a Mickey not so scary Halloween party. Often that pushes more people through attractions during a smaller operational day because that park's doing a turnover around six, seven in the evening making those attractions more heavily visited during the day. Also, guests staying on Disney property have 30-minute earlier access to park attractions before other guests do. Boy, that really impacts your ability to get on an attraction with little wait time when so many were scheduled ahead of you, ahead of you to go because they were staying on property. It's probably one of the key reasons to stay on Disney property is that 30 minutes can buy you a chance to get on two major attractions um, before the rest of all the guests come roaring through there.
And let me also mention ramping up and down. So technically, the theoretical hourly ride capacity of Big Thunder should be the same at the beginning of the day as it should be in the middle of the day as it should be at the end of the day. The same with something like the Jungle Cruise. But the fact of the matter is, is the way operators often do it is they don't have all of your people lined up to, to fill boats at the beginning of the day. They usually begin with a handful of boats and then every 15 minutes, 10, 15, 20 minutes, they add another boat until they reach the number of boats. Too many boats, you actually slow down the um, attraction. We'll talk about that on another occasion, but, but that's actually uh, very true. Also, something like the Country Bear Jamboree or the Liberty, Liberty River boat may close well in advance of the official park opening. Um, and so Impression de France comes on certain hours of the day as opposed to the um, Beauty and the Beast uh, version uh, that plays out in the France theater. So those being available and so forth, again, it's about that schedule. And I should also mention a maintenance schedule that's going through. So Cayley River Rapids and Splash Mountain was always brought down at the beginning of the year. When you bring down Splash Mountain, or what will be eventually Tiana's um, Bayou Adventure, when you bring that down to do rehab, then that automatically creates much longer waits next door at Big Thunder Mountain because all those guests aren't divided up between two major attractions. Rather, they are just in one. So you can see that schedule and what's going on in the parks in terms of the hours of operation, the availability, the schedule of annual pass holders being able to go in, the scheduling of attractions being rehab, or the scheduling of parties coming in, all those kinds of things affect the schedule. And it, like the um, capacity issue, impacts ultimately the ride experience. Now, let's move to the eye of CSI. Interest, do you really wanna go on this ride? Some attractions are really popular and that of course makes the line much, much longer. Why are, why is that so? First of all, they're brand new. Rise of the Resistance is a great example of that. So is Guardians and Tron, which is actually why so many of these new attractions are put on virtual queues. The demand is so high that the wait would go throughout the park for hours if left as a physical queue. Now, there is a lot of argument about whether or not, oh, I didn't get the invitation, so, or I didn't, I didn't, you know, I, I was there at 7 a.m. trying to book for Guardians or book for Tron. I didn't get it. I was in the park at one. I didn't get it. And now I can't go on the attraction. And it could be a real bummer for a guest. At the same time, if you go back to Pandora Flight of Passage when it opened, before we got into the virtual queue business, you may want to remember the 340-minute ride wait times that were existing for that attraction. It weaved all over Pandora, down the bridge, on the way to Africa, past the Lion King, literally into Africa. Um, so why? <laughs> people were wanting to go on it. It was a brand new ride. It was very cool. And people wanted to go on it.
The second thing that is impacted by why an attraction is popular is because, well, guests are in that area. The back of World Showcase earlier in the day or towards the back of Asia where Expedition Everest maybe can be quite empty at the early times of day. That's the time to really get in there toward those attractions because nobody else is. There simply aren't that many guests in the area interested in riding. And a great example of that is Fantasyland, which does a 30-minute um, 30 minute, uh, advance time for guests staying at the resorts. They can come in. Most of them do Snow White. Most of them do um, Peter Pan. But, um, but uh, Little Mermaid. And even when um, Enchanted Tales with Belle is running... Those times can be quite low at that hour, early hour of the day because it's toward the back and people are not really thinking about those attractions. Now, Enchanted Tales with Belle goes back into the schedule thing. Sometimes they won't even start that until well into another hour of the day or they won't run as many ver many of those shows at a time and that schedule can tremendously impact how long you end up waiting to go do something like that. Another thing that impacts interests are, well, their favorites that guests simply return to. Classics like Pirates of the Caribbean or the Haunted Mansion or even the People Mover can impact how many guests are interested in visiting. It's just one of those things that it's, it's really hard not to see an afternoon where guests are all lined up to go on Pirates of the Caribbean. They're ready for that air conditioning. They're ready to be in that cool temperatures and they love that ride. And so you see a very big queue. The same thing with the Haunted Mansion um, being favorites that guests return to again and again and again. The final thing around interest is other activities occurring. Maybe they're not interested in doing a particular attraction, but rather going and seeing the fireworks or checking out the parade, the three o'clock parade coming down Main Street. Those events can draw people out of attractions and onto the streets, creating a lesser weight. And so because their interest is in something else, sometimes that brings favor to something else that you might want to write on, but not wait so long on. All right. Now, we've covered uh, capacity, we've covered schedule, we've covered interest. Now we get to that plus thing, that genie plus, which is constantly being tweaked. And we just talked in two, uh, two podcasts ago, we talked about the fact that more tweaks are in the way that it seems like it may be a fast pass um, plus scenario where you pay but you're able to make your genie plus reservations in advance well let's face it the people in the genie plus line um that they really impact the standby line and frankly um if you're trying to make an a, a decision do i do i put down the money for genie plus Am I going to get my value off of this? There's a couple of issues to consider. First off, pricing. This fluctuates throughout the year and impacts a family's decision to buy or not. The second is the time of year. More people take advantage of Genie Plus. Um, well, doing so can 
be can impact greater attended periods. So let me just say, somebody who has really put down the money to come during the Christmas holidays, has really paid for a higher price ticket, it, who's ready to uh, spend more on airline fares to get there. Once they've gone through that path, paying for Genie Plus, yeah, put it in. In fact, actually, that may be the benefit of having this early reservation system is more people um, probably will find it um, less painful to their bottom line, even though it's the same price, to actually get it in, um, in advance. And by the way, they might just change the pricing. Have you ever thought about that possibly happening? So I lots of little issues here with Genie Plus. Hey, by the way, DAS or those disability groups and the VIP groups, you know, the ones who follow around the people in Platt, well, these groups of individuals, these families or individuals, they're taking advantage of the same Genie Plus systems and can dramatically impact demand on the system. And so they too can ultimately impact your experience. And then finally, these virtual queues, the ability to mobilize and make an appointed reservation can impact how many ultimately, right? And by the way, it can impact how many are waiting in line because while I have no interest in waiting in line for three hours and 40 minutes, what you've essentially done is taken thousands of people who are in that line and you've moved them in a space where they can't be doing anything else because they got to stand in line waiting for that turn. So that all these variables with Genie Plus ultimately can impact your decisions of what attractions to go on and how long you want to wait to actually experience them. Now in the uh, weeks and months to come, we're gonna visit all the Disney parks and talk about different attractions and how to see them from the CSI Plus point of view. We'll also use a rating system to identify those that are most popular and those that have the best capacities. Together, we'll help you think through in the moment how to best save time waiting for attractions while in the parks. But to give you a sense of this, let's just take four attractions in the four different Walt Disney World parks and consider some of the issues related to those attractions. The first is Seven Dwarfs Mine Train at Magic Kingdom. Very popular attraction that hasn't been open too many years and uh, really is a great family coaster attraction. One of the big issues is that the attraction opens at the beginning of the day with Disney Resort guests. So if you're not on Disney property, you already have a disadvantage going for you. So that's one issue. Second is, is again, how many trains are operating at the beginning of the day? Usually they get those trains in that attraction up and going pretty fast because the lines are developing pretty quick. You want to look at the number of people using Genie Plus in that given day. Is it a, one of those softer days or could you really kind of wait in the standby line? Um, you also want to look at the ability of VIP and DAS groups to visit at the beginning and the end of the day. Remember that when, uh, say, somebody who has uh, an autistic child like I do, they go to make a reservation, it will probably be 
well after nine o'clock before you could do a return, maybe 9.20, maybe 9.30, maybe 9.40, before you can even come back. So some of those windows allow you, and at the same time, you can't come back after the stated end of the day. Also, consider for instance, once fireworks are underway, what is the flow of traffic in that corner of the park? A lot of people who are families are kind of looking to do the fireworks and then head home. Boy, I'll just give you a hint. One of the best times to go on Seven Dwarfs Mine Train is at the time that the fireworks are operating. You can get to a fairly low, like five to 10 minute wait time if you get in line just after the fireworks begin. So again, it's based on capacity, which is not great at Seven Dwarfs Mine Train. It's not bad, but it's not really, it's it's not as great as it could be um, in that attraction. Still that said, done. It, it's, well, it's about half of what you're going to get when you go on the Haunted Mansion. That gives you an idea. They can only handle it. And that's when things are going at its best. So you can see some of the issues there. Now let's go over to the Disney's Hollywood Studios and take an all of meet and greet. Well, there are opening and closing times. So you can't get in right at the beginning of the day. It may not open until after 9 a.m. and it may close well before park closing. So that impacts when you can visit. You, the number of people using Genie Plus is also, but honestly, people using Genie Plus are not really getting in the line at the very beginning of the day unless they are the biggest Ola fans that were ever created. They tend to use that Genie Plus toward an Olaf meet and greet much later in the day. That suggests that probably earlier in the day um, is, is better. How recently did the Frozen sing-along just get out? That's that's a theater that holds a lot of people. And they're all dumping out. And how many of them are thinking, well, let's go see Olaf. That could impact that flow of guests getting in the queue. And then we also have talked about the number of friends Olaf has. I hope you're kind of getting the hint of what I'm talking about here. Because I know families are, are, uh, are listening to this and children are listening to this. I just want to be really clear. If there aren't as many friends of Olaf that are supporting Olaf in doing the meet and greet, then probably it's going to take you a little longer, especially at times when Olaf might need a break or something of that nature. This is a big issue in meet and greet attractions. Head over to Disney's Animal Kingdom, Expedition Everest. I kind of mentioned earlier, boy, early in the day is a great time of day or late in the day because it's so far in the back of the park there are less people in the earlier and late portions of the day also the time of year and time of day disney's animal kingdom i'm telling you it gets really hot in the summer and so that demand for going on outdoor attractions like that at that time of day in the middle of summer or when uh, hey, there may be a thunderstorm on its way. That too can really impact um, uh, your wait time or your wait time experience. You may wait for 20 minutes, 25 minutes, only find out thunderstorm's gonna throw you out of that queue. The number of people using Genie Plus, obviously that's a part of it. But here's one thing that we haven't talked about. 
some attractions allow you to ride solo. And if you're flexible in being assigned to sit next to someone you don't know in riding that attraction, hey, that's your opportunity to really um, take care, take advantage of Expedition Everest. And the cue for riding solo rider for solo riders, that's that's amazingly low. I'm gonna talk about the last attraction here is Soren over at Epcot. Uh, again, number of people using Genie Plus. Also, the number of theaters open. There are three theaters that handle Soren, and boy, they can handle quite a few people when they're all working together as three theaters. About 2,088 um, people can go through that attraction at that time, but you got to keep that movement of people going through, and you got to have all those theaters open. Here's a bigger issue. Probably the biggest issue for Soren, the flow of guests in world nature area. In other words, in the front portion of that park, it's fairly in the front of the park, you're going to find between 10 and 4 during the day, maxed out lots of people in that area of the park. Come back 7.30, 8, 8.30 in the evening, not so much. However, they may also choose to close the theater. So you want to kind of look at those times because while there may be less people in line, there may not be as many theaters running at that point. So you can kind of see how these issues, you might say, oh yeah, Soren, we go back at the end of the day when our, everybody's out in World Showcase. Not necessarily. You want to check that ride time and say, okay, does this flow seem to be taking in the kind of number of guests that ought to be coming in? Again, in the months to come, we'll visit all the Disney parks, talk about different attractions, have a rating system, and just kind of give you a better sense of this thing we call Disney CSI Plus. Um, it's, uh, it's not a crime scene, but it definitely is a crime if you have to wait longer than you should. I also will suggest that you please share. Come, what What is the one ride? If you think about all the parks, what is the one ride you hate to wait for? Perhaps you love the ride, but the wait is too much. Please join our Disney Insights Facebook page and share. We would love to hear from you. I'll join the conversation, perhaps share with you some tips for how to better save time from waiting so long for that favorite attraction of yours. So join us at the Disney Insights Facebook page. That does it for this Disney Insights podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for being a part. Again, check out DisneyInsights.com. Make sure that you also subscribe to DisneyInsights.com so you're notified of new podcasts that come along as well as your podcast provider. Make sure you subscribe so that you know um, again, we're doing uh, the best job we can in really trying to get you two solid podcasts, usually somewhere between the Monday night and Tuesday morning time frame, and then also the Thursday night, Friday morning time frame. So be sure to subscribe so you're notified of when those podcasts come. And also make sure you check out our Patreon group as well as our YouTube page which is, again, Disney Insights. Got some new videos that we put up there and continue to do so, hundreds of videos, actually. So check those out when you have a chance at our YouTube page. And again, our Wayfinding page, our Patreon group page, Wayfinder Society. Thanks for joining us in the words of Sinbad's storybook voyage. Always follow the compass of your heart. 
Have a great day. We'll see you real soon.